Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Brian Davis here, founder of SparkRental.com, and I am here today with a special guest, Rachel Hernandez, aka the Mobile Home Girl and founder of AdventuresInMobileHomes.com. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Brian, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, I was I was telling Rachel before we went live that I am personally super excited to have her on here uh, selfishly because I don't own any mobile homes. I don't really know that much about mobile home investing. So I, I am looking forward to getting some tips myself out of this and hoping to expand my portfolio to include some mobile homes. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm, I'm always excited when someone tells me I'm excited to learn about mobile <laughs> home investing because honestly, not that many people are, you know, because they don't know much about it. So I, it's exciting that you're interested in it. You know, so Denny and I talk all the time about how usually the least sexy investments <laughs> tend to actually perform the best, at least in real estate. Um, you know, so we do some land investing and okay. land investing, you know, like mobile home investing, it's not sexy. No one's going to, you know, put out a TV show, like flip this parcel of land, you know, um, yeah. but, that's, <laughs> that's, know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it actually is what is one of the reasons anyway, why it performs so well is that you just have so much less competition in it. So you can earn some of those outsized returns, whereas everyone's out there trying to invest in single family rentals or, you know, flips. Um, because it's so well known and it's so well understood and so popular. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then, then they watch those TV shows that they get, you know, ideas in their head because all these other people made money that they can do the same thing, but you never hear what the steps are leading to find the deal. You just find that they actually have the deal and then they're just working on the house, but there's so much involved, Brian, before oh, yeah. you, you know, before <laughs> you even get to that deal. And that's, what's not talked about, you know, usually. Yeah. And they, they only show the success stories on TV too. They don't show all the flops and you know, all the, the really yeah. ugly stuff. <laughs> right. So. Right. Otherwise no one would be watching. <laughs> right. Yeah. So as you guys join us, let us know where you're tuning in from, you know, fire questions at us. You know, that's the beauty of doing these shows live. You know, it's, it's raw, it's unscripted, uh, but you get to ask us questions and in particular ask Rachel questions uh, so she can share her expertise with you guys. So on that note, Rachel, let's rewind all the way to the very beginning, how you got into real estate investing in the first place and how that looks totally different than the investing you're doing right now. Okay, sure. Well, basically, my background is actually in sales and marketing. So when I graduated uh, from college, from university, um, my jobs, when, when I first started out, I was an um, account executive for Fortune 500 corporations doing business-to-business -business sales. So basically, my background is a sales background and also has a marketing background because before that, I was also doing public relations um, for some big-name big entertainment companies. So I got into real estate investing by reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I know that's really cliche, but that's kind of how I got into it. So it's not like, okay, I'm just 
taken everyone else's story. That's actually my story. As a kid growing up, I hated going to homes. I would I remember because my 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 family, I came from a family of professionals. So we moved every five to seven years. And I remember just riding in the car with the real estate agent and my parents and looking at houses and going to open houses. And I hated it. So it's kind of weird that I actually got into real estate investing. But what <laughs> I learned, I know, right? And what I learned from Kiyosaki's book is a concept of passive income. So this is actually income that is coming to you without you having to work for it. Because before that, I just knew active income. Like you have to work for this income. So when I read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the light bulb went off and I was like, oh my goodness, there's this another type of income that can come in without depending on me to work for it. And that is passive income. So after that, I got sold. Then I got interested in real estate investing. So for me, just like a lot of people, when you first get started in real estate investing, you need some cash, you need some capital um, before you can start buying and holding. So what I did was I was a bird dog first. I looked for deals for other investors, mostly landlords and then also rehabbers. And I would find the deal and then they would pay me a fee reward if they close on the deal. And pretty much that was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks per deal. After that, and I got some experience, then I got into wholesaling, would actually find these deals, you know, same buyers, and that usually they're from the real estate investment club. And then uh, based on their criteria, I would put the homes under contract, assign my interest uh, to these buyers, and then I made, you know, a couple thousand dollars per deal. So the difference between wholesaling and bird dogging is you're taking more risk with wholesaling putting the deal under contract yourself versus bird dogging you're not. But the difference is uh, hundreds of dollars with bird dogging versus thousands of dollars with wholesaling. So after that, whole, I wholesaled for a while. Then I was uh, uh, able to buy and hold real estate properties as a landlord, single family homes. I built up enough cash. So I started acquiring rental properties. But like a lot of people, I got burnt out as a landlord. And one of the things that I didn't like about being a landlord was that every single month I didn't buy the homes, you know, straight out cash. I had a mortgage. The cash flow from the properties would go towards the mortgage. The bank right. would get paid every single month. Then, Even if you don't get paid. Yes, exactly. Then homeowners and, uh, you know, HOA, homeowners uh, associations, then insurance that, you know, and then and you're like, the last person to get paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, vacancies. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get paid, you know, so and then property management, because I thought, OK, mm -hmm. well, I'll just bring in the managers, you know, and I'll just manage them. No, it was a complete mess. I still had to manage the managers. They yeah. were still making their, you know, percentage, their commission. And it's just like, I can't do this. So basically, I did landlording for a couple of years. Then went at the height of the market, I sold all my properties, everything. In like 2007, like that um, before the bubble burst. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, That's amazing I think it was timing. at the end. Yeah, it was at the end of that. Yeah, right before everything, you know. And so I sold all my properties and then I was like, okay, I got to get into something else. And then that's when, you know, I got into mobile home investing, the Lonnie Scruggs deals on wheels. It was a course before it became a book. 
So I read the course first uh, and I tried my hand at it actually when I was a uh, landlord. Didn't work out because I just did it the wrong way. I talked to the sellers first who wanted to sell me a property for like $3,000. And I didn't talk to the park manager first. And then I talked to the park manager after I've talked to the sellers. And she was just like, you can't work in this park, blah, 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 blah. So I just got really, really, really turned off with mobile home investing. So once I sold my properties, my single family homes, uh, then I got into mobile home investing. I said, okay, I'm really going to learn this. I'm really going to take the time to go over the material again and just buy these homes just for cash flow and just buy them straight out cash. And that's what I did. And, you know, I started this in 2007. So I've been doing it for a while. I've seen a lot. I've had a lot of highs and lows. So it hasn't been, you know, rainbows the whole time. So that's how I got into mobile home investing. Well, so first of all, I'm super jealous of your market timing there. I was that schmuck who was buying properties in 2007 rather than selling them. <laughs> so. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it was just, I mean, the appreciation on these properties, I mean, it was crazy, kind of like what we have right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, actually right now I'm actually uh, offloading a, a couple because of the, the way the market is right now. And I'm, I'm just getting these cash offers and I just like you you don't see this and then you you know it's just like the the cash flow game you got to just play the cards as they come you know and and know the market and time everything so when you say you're accepting offers to sell right now is that uh single family homes do you still own in your portfolio or is that mobile homes those are mobile homes the last one i sold i think it was like a month and a half ago Let's see, six years ago, I think six years ago, I bought it for, I think it was $12,000 and it was just cosmetic work. And I had, I had some people in there, you know, for six, I think six or seven years paying me, I think it was like $450 a month. And they just decided to move out because they just wanted something else. And then I fixed it up and the park manager is like, Rachel, you know, the market's so hot and the park was selling their own homes. So I was like, okay. So I just put it on the market and I sold it for 40,000 cash. Nice. Um, yeah. In less than a month. So that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> so, and you know, um, it's just one of those things. Do you need the cash flow now? I mean, I've got cash flow or, but then the cash, you know, so you just really have to, see what what your personal op options are and what 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 do you want to do as an investor you know everyone has a different plan all right so so talk me through some of the mechanics of these deals so you you buy the actual mobile home in within the mobile home park and you you speak with the park owner to make sure that they're okay with landlords owning the various mobile homes as opposed to the residents owning them right either the park manager or the owner if it's a smaller park then yeah the owner i mean there could be a park manager most times it is a park manager because i'm dealing with corporate owned parks and okay. there's different kinds of parks there's like low-end parks middle of the road and high-end parks and in the beginning 
I just worked all the parks because I was like, oh, just give me any deal. Um, but then I found out that my personality really catered towards more the higher end park, more the corporate owned parks. And that just fit with my personality with the types of managers that they did have. So now I exclusively deal in like corporate owned parks. Um, but it's different for everyone. I know other investors who work in low end parks. Some investors work in middle of the road type parks. But I buy the home as personal property, not attached to the land. And the advantage is that of that is that the taxes are lower because it's personal property. It's like taxed like a car, like a vehicle. And taxes actually usually they go down instead of up because they're personal property. And then um uh the insurance is less as well too. So right. So you so you depreciate that down, I guess over time uh on your taxes. No, as- I don't. No, I don't. I don't do that. And actually, I had actually uh, asked my mentor. I had a mentor when I first started out. Now I have like multiple mentors. And Lonnie Scruggs was my mentor as well, too. But I had a mentor and I met her at a real estate conference and I asked her that question. She's like, no, because you still have to do the recapture. So it's not even going to be worth it. So that's for me. I don't, I really don't do it. I just, okay, straight out. Okay. This is what I'm making, you know, income expenses and then whatever else. I don't do any of the depreciate because it really doesn't matter to me. Okay. All right. So now these, you know, in my head, I'm imagining like trailers in a trailer park, but I'm guessing that that's not actually what's going on here, right? These are these are probably not actually on wheels. Like these are what, like manufactured homes, like like double wides that are pretty stationary and pretty nice. Or yeah, like- yeah. Well, basically, okay. Those what you're talking about that they're already on wheels. Yeah, those were like the older version uh, of of mobile homes back then. Uh, what I'm talking about is like the newer homes um, that they ca- they get transported because you put wheels on them. But then once they're set and blocked at the location that they're going, they remove the wheels, they remove the axles and they get set. They have to be set. There's certain standards depending on the area and the city. Um, and that has to go through an inspection process as well, too. And you got to get a permit to move and all that. So they're actually set in the park. And the type of neighborhood you're going to do business on, it's going to depend on what kind of park you're doing business in and how strict their management is in terms of what types of homes they accept and what types of the homes they don't accept. So it's not like you're in a single family neighborhood where you can just buy anything and and that, you, you know, you're in someone else's community. So you're, you have to play by their rules. So it's kind of you that extra step. And that's why there's less competition as a mobile home investor because of that extra step. You have to actually create this relationship with the park owner and the park manager to work in these parks. Okay. So are these these are uh, installed on a foundation or no? Um, now, actually, it will depend on the park because they're the ones, since they own the lot, they are the ones who actually prepare the lot. And that will depend if they're in, within city limits or outside city limits, then they'll have to be going by the guidelines of the county, how the lot is prepared. So I've been, uh, I've been working, I've worked in all types of parks. So the more the higher end parks, they already, there's a concrete pad already. So, I mean, they've already leveled it, everything. More of your low end or middle of the road type parks that are not as managed as well. Sometimes they're out, out of city limits and they, 
county guidelines, they may not have a concrete foundation, um, may just be dirt. You know, it really depends, but that's why you hire a mover, um, and then, you know, the installer, and then it's under their license if there are issues in the, in the future. So. Okay. So do you buy these new from the manufacturer and then have them installed or do you buy them used already installed on the lot or, or like use and then install them yourself, like from somewhere else? Like, you know, how does that work? Yeah, I've done it a couple of different ways. I don't necessarily buy new from the manufacturer. Most of my deals are actually used. I try to keep them in the parks that I do business in because that would be bad business if you want to work in a park and you're taking their their homes out of their park and then they, you know, they've got an empty lot. But if I find a home in a park that I really don't want to do business in, like more of a low end or middle of the road, then I will move it to another park that I work with more of a higher end corporate owned park with a space and um, move it to that location. But when I first started out and what I actually suggest people do is actually leave it in the location, just like what Lonnie Scruggs did and what he recommended people do in the beginning, because it is costly and there's a lot of steps when you're moving mobile homes so gotcha okay and are you financing these deals are you paying cash how are you paying for these i'm paying straight out cash um people have asked me i'm like financing i do know people who've taken on partners or they've gotten private money lenders even other investors have actually taken home equity loans out of their homes to buy these deals i don't recommend it um, so, you know, so, so, some other, uh, investors, they just partner with a friend or, I mean, but for me personally, I'm fine. I'm financing this just through straight out cash. So like I said, um, when I got into mobile home investing, I had the cash from the sale of my single family homes to start out with. So then the cash flow, I just keep reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting. Um, and then if I have some cash that I have to, you know, work with like that when I sold, you know, when I just told you that I, you know, then I'll buy the home, you know, or, you know, now I'm thinking about going into lots and land, um, which is the next Buying step. parks yourself. Uh, parks. I've, I've gotten some people who've actually asked me, would you like to partner in a park? And I actually asked Lonnie Scruggs this question. And the reason why he didn't get into parks was because him and his wife wanted to travel in an RV across America. And he told me like with the home, because I basically work with people with a homeowner mentality that they eventually want to own the homes. So the way I set it up is you, they are leasing with an option to purchase these homes okay. versus a straight out rental. And so I had actually asked Lonnie about that. And he has said, that's why he didn't go into parks. Because the parks, he's like, you're in a different game. You are in the management game. Right. And there's more than meets the eye to owning and managing a park. And it's very expensive for small time investors. I know a lot of investors who actually got into parks, then they got out of parks just because, I mean, they were lucky to get out. Um, they spent so much money and it wasn't worth their time or effort. It just didn't work out for them. And uh, I talk about this in my podcast, episode 13, The Truth About Mobile Home Parks, if anyone is interested in learning um, more about mobile home parks. But for me, I'm not getting into that right now, personally. It's not the thing I want to do. 
Okay. I value so, freedom and time more than, you know, I want to manage all the time. So. Well, amen. <laughs> so how much are you paying for a typical mobile home? Again, yeah. these are the yeah. higher end parks, I understand. But like, how much right. are you paying for these? On it would, yes, it would depend on the market. I will tell you my first deal, and it was actually in a higher end park. I just got lucky. Um, my first deal, I paid $3,600 cash. $3,600 in cash for the home. It was a two bedroom, one bath home. This family, they had been living there for 10 years and they just wanted out. They're like, you know what? We just want to live in a nicer neighborhood. They actually, I think they went into a single family home as a rental um, and went into a different school district. So this actually was not even advertised. They found me because I had passed out flyers in the park and I actually already talked to the manager. She's like, okay, you could do business in there. So they didn't even advertise this home. And I had called and she didn't even tell me. She's like, well, I don't want to tell you a price over the phone. I just kind of want to meet you. So we did a negotiating and back and forth, back and forth. And to make a long story short, I bought it for $3,600 cash. They even cleaned it for me. Then in two weeks, I had a nice family in there who paid me $1,000 to move into the home and $250 a month for four and a half years. And they were never late. So, yeah. So that was my first deal. But typically, it would depend on the market. Um, I'm telling you, this is true. I've had students. I, ha I remember this one student, husband and wife couple. They bought a mobile home in California for $4,000. And yes, I'm not kidding. They bought it for $4,000 cash, but the lot rent was $1,000 a month. And they actually got lucky because they sold it to a family who was in foreclosure on their single family home. And then they were downsizing. So the deals are there, but I would say that they're more off market deals to get the best deals like anything, you know, um, out there. So it would depend on the market. But I mean, it's a pretty hot market out there right now. I mean, what are you paying in 2021 for some of these properties? Yeah, for me, since I work in higher end parks now, and then I actually, I will not buy a two bedroom. It has to be a three bedroom, two bath, and it has to be usually cosmetic work. So I'll pay anywhere between 10 and 15,000 cash for these homes. And then I just fix them up and they're cosmetic issues. And then I usually fix them up and then I get families in there and I get anywhere between $500 to $600 a month cash flow and then whatever move-in fee that they give. With this market, people are like, well, I've got $3,000 to move in or $4,000 to move in or $5,000 to move in. So it really depends what people have to move in. And then I put them on a lease with an option to purchase. And typically I put mine uh, usually now for about 15 years, but they want to pay it off sooner. So if they get this, you know, boatload of cash, maybe from their taxes or an inheritance, then they can pay it off sooner if they want. So. Okay. But they are still renting from you with the option to mm -hmm. buy, buy the property for whatever the market value is at that right. time in the future. When mm -hmm. they're, okay. Mm -hmm. And so what, what kind of return on investment are you seeing on some of these deals? Honestly, I have, it sounds not, high. I have not actually calculated the return on investment. 
All I know is I spent like my first day, I spent 3,600 for this. <laughs> I mean, lot rent is an expense. So, I mean, you got like five or $600 in a high end park for lot rent. And then that one in California, thousand dollars a month lot rent. So you really need to fix up these homes, but I'm going to be honest, the return that you get is going to be based on the effort you put into these deals. And I, when I talk effort, I mean, you know, know who you are as a person, know your skill set and work with the skill set that you have. It would not work for me if I just did direct mail because I'm not an office person. I hate admin work. And I did that when I was in single family homes, making a hundred offers to all these banks, REO department, it did not work for me. So for me, it's like, I just need to be out in the field talking with people. And um, that's pretty much how I find these deals. But I mean, the returns, they are high, but I will also tell you there's the risk that they may not pay. And then you've got to take back a home. And I've done that several times. And I asked Lonnie Scruggs about that. And he's like, it's just part of the business that you got to take back these homes. And I've been to court and I've seen the judge and blah, blah, blah. You know, I have one. It was my nightmare. It was a, or I call it the rat house. Uh, oh, this no. lady, she didn't even tell me. Yeah, a lot of when I when I do take back homes, either they um, don't have receive the income that they were receiving in the beginning. And if the people were upfront and honest, and I don't have an issue, we just give the keys and then they just move on. But this lady with the rat house, it was one thing after the other. What I found out from the park manager with her and her husband split up. So it didn't work out. So divorce is like one of those big issues why I've had to take homes back in the past. And you just take them back and you want to have more winners than losers. And it's just, you know, part of the business. So, And mobile homes, they fall under the same uh, eviction laws as single family rentals, right? Yeah, as long as you establish a landlord-tenant relationship and you have to have that in your paperwork. For me, I'm doing lease with option to purchase. So I have those separated. I have the lease and then I have the option to purchase. You don't want it all on one agreement. Okay. So if you're going to be doing it that way, you know, and you want to fall under those laws, you have to show a landlord-tenant relationship and actually sign, have them sign another agreement saying, I understand this is a landlord-tenant relationship. So if you want to fall under those rules, otherwise you're in foreclosure court, you know, if you do it the other way with owner financing. Right, right. All right. Well, let's, let's switch gears for a second here. I want to hear your crystal ball for, you know, both where mobile home uh, markets are headed in 2022, where real estate markets in general are headed. Uh, you know, what do, what do you foresee coming up in the future for this industry? Well, I don't mean to be political, but, <laughs> you know, there is a big talk about, you know, what's happening in China. This is big with Evergrande. And I think it's really going to affect the real estate market. Um, in the United States as well, too, because they have properties all over the world. And also with the interest rates creeping up, I think we're going to be entering a bear market 
maybe sooner than later. And um, for anyone listening, you know, you, you hear all these things with the media, but you may not be seeing the whole truth of everything. Um, but this thing with Evergrande is huge. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, they're a real estate developer in China. And they, as far as I know, they may be headed into bankruptcy. So um, it, it is a big deal. So right now, if you are a real estate investor, you know, get as much cash as you can because things are going to start as the interest rates creep up. I've been through a, a lot of these ups and downs and yeah, a lot of investors that I know personally who've been, who have the experience, they're getting ready. So something, something's going to happen. <laughs> something's going right. to pop, pop. <laughs> All right. Well, so tell us about what you are up to in adventuresinmobilehomes.com, you know, how people can reach you, you know, what, how people can learn more about you and about mobile home investing in general. Sure. Well, um, I had mentioned I have a podcast uh, on my website, adventuresofmobilehomes.com. So if you'd like to uh, check out the podcast, just go to my website, adventuresofmobilehomes.com. I also have a book and Brian, you can link it up in the sh in the notes as well too. Um, Adventures in Mobile Homes, if anyone wants to check it out. But basically, it's my experience on me investing and my style and what worked for me and what didn't work for me. And I will tell you that um, I did everything that Lonnie Scruggs says to do in his course and his, in his book. And there were some things that didn't work for me because it just didn't work with my personality. So I sure. talk a lot of, about it in that book. And then um, I also have a free training class if anyone's interested. Um, if you want to link it up in the, in the notes as well, too. Um, I just and, I sent it out in the comment just now uh, oh, okay, to, the, to the free training class. Okay. If anyone is interested in learning more about mobile home investing, you can go to that link and check out the free training class as well, too. And other than that, I mean, I've just been doing a lot of, you know, podcasting, speaking. Um, I just spoke at PodFest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the uh, <laughs> Internet sphere. I'm also on Twitter at Mobile Home Girl and Instagram at Mobile Home Girl. And I have a YouTube channel, Adventures in Mobile Homes, if anyone wants to kind of follow what I'm doing as an investor. So. And that's uh, girl spelled with a U, by the way. Uh, yes, mobile home <laughs> girl with a U. Yes, exactly. Well, Rachel, thank you so, so much for coming in today. I found this fascinating. You know, like I said, I would personally like to diversify my own investments to include some mobile homes. Uh, and, I, you know, I think the, uh, the listeners out there got a lot out of this. So thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to having you back uh, in 2022. Okay, great. Well, anytime. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Right. And in the meantime, stay in touch. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.